Hi, Sarah. Hey. Hey. Thanks for that. Just wanted to make sure everything was square. I had a couple little like warbles on my Wi-Fi signal. And I thought, well, let's just check a couple of things out here real quick in case I'm not paying attention. I find out later there's like 30 minutes of static uh, (laughs) (laughs) for a conversation or something, which would just be a shame. Um, Now that we've dropped back, uh, we're just going back to uh, follow up on a few more of the questions that came up during the uh, Blackson Gaming panel that I was lucky enough to be a part of at GDC Mm -hmm. and some that now have been talked with uh, a few of the members of the writing team and uh, that we're talking with today with Sarah. She's with Colorism Healing. Again, colorismhealing.org. Please check it out. Writing contests. (laughs) More. You won't be disappointed. Um, So we were talking about a few different things so far. We've already covered um, the idea of history leading uh, to a change in a lack of representation and um, diverse main characters to the myths of uh, why they were hard to sell or arguments made about that. Um, Then into the value of a story that crosses all borders. Uh, And then lastly, we had talked about the, uh, the value of a spectrum to show a range of characters representing different identities and the, uh, the ability of that to not only take the pressure off of any one main character, that when you do that, you can create a lot of issues um, with it trying to live up to an ideal, that one character. And then through the range, the ability mm-hmm. to show multiple representations that are then easier for those reading, watching, or engaging mm-hmm. to feel connected and that these characters mm-hmm. are, are someone that they can be part of a story that they want to enjoy. Um, I think that covers most of what we've talked about so far. Uh, yeah. <laughs> a couple of the others I wanted to touch on um, recently, there's been a lot of positive success as well for um, uh, main characters that are women, uh, whether mm-hmm. you're talking about um, television in which we can point to examples that you mentioned already, things like scandal, mm-hmm how to get away with murder, uh, the, the Shondaland movement and uh, mm-hmm. success. Or if you want to move into the movies where we've seen, I mean, most recently on the comic book side, Wonder Woman, which was a, mm-hmm. uh, a lead female comic book hero who was directed by a woman. It's global success is still continuing. Um, mm-hmm. And what your thoughts are in regards to um, that in not really in comparison, but maybe uh, as part of that same wave we of momentum we were talking about earlier, it seems like yeah. that many of the same issues uh, would apply, not only from mm-hmm. getting women in the pipeline to creating opportunities for women to then be gatekeepers, and then also for that eventually to lead to some of the successes um, that we've been seeing. I was just curious if you had any any thoughts about how that's also been occurring, what seems like uh, at a similar, I don't know if pace, but around the same mm-hmm. times. Yeah, they do seem to be like parallel movements. And I think part of that is because it's a lot of it is being fueled by black women, right? So black women who, who cross the, the racial and the gender minority, minority um, boundaries, um, I think that naturally increases um, representation for all women and for all Black people. Um, thinking about people like Shonda Rhimes and Ava DuVernay and Oprah um, and lead actresses like Viola Davis and Carrie Washington um, and oh, also Issa Rae. You know, we can't uh, forget about her in terms of like um, people who, cre- who create opportunities, right? And who, you know, find, uh, find ways to, to to enter the gates and then also to kind of blow the gates off the hinges, <laughs> so to speak. Um, so I think with, so like historically speaking, I think gender is an interesting one because it's something that we, that is, I don't want to say older, but it, because it's an issue, even when race is off the table, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So even if everyone is the same race, 
um, in a family or in a neighborhood or in a school or in a country even. So even if the country, the whole country is somehow racially homogenous, um, you're going to have different genders. Um, and so I think um, universally speaking, um, that's something that even um, white people identify with are like gender differences and gender issues. Um, but also for that reason, I think um, gender is sometimes uh, something that seems more natural, right? Or more, um, yeah, more inherent, right? So gender differences seem even more inherent mm -hmm. um, in terms of like, oh, well, that's just how women are. And of course, guys are like that, you know, boys will be boys kinds of things. Um, and so I think we overlook how much of our gender identities are actually socially constructed and are actually, you know, taught to us through cultural norms and that they, you know, don't actually have a lot of, you know, biological bases, you know? Um, and so for that reason, seeing something like Wonder Woman, we'll use that as our first example. Um, the thought that a woman could be super, super strong <laughs> and save the planet <laughs> um, is, was revolutionary, right? At the time, you know, um, because women, you know, they're like, historically, there's pseudoscience that said like, women just physically were not capable of doing certain things. And, um, didn't have the the cognitive capabilities, you know, that men had and didn't have the emotional stability and, you know, the the wherewithal just um, in terms of their personhood to go into battle and to take charge and to be leaders. Um, so I think that kind of representation is important. And I but I also think that um, when we're looking at gender, a lot of times the focus has been primarily on white women. So then that you have people like Issa Rae and Shonda Rhimes and um, Viola Davis and um, Ava DuVernay who uh, then sort of bring both of those issues to the forefront, right? So then at, at that point, we're forced to kind of consider both gender and race alongside each other, um, sort of inter- understanding that race and gender are always together, right? You're not just a white person. You're either a white man or um, a white woman or a white, um, you know, non-binary person or whatever, but you all, we all have both a race and a gender, I guess is what I'm saying. Um, even if you don't subscribe to the, the, the two opposing gender binaries that um, we've traditionally been given in society. Um, and so when we think about representation, we can't just say, oh, well, you know, this is a great film for women, right? We have to ask, okay, well, what kind of women, right? Is it just white women? Is it just like middle-class women? Um, or is there a diversity even among the women? And so it's the same thing when you're talking about race, right? Is it just black people? Um, or are they all black men? Or are they all, you know, wealthy black people? Or are they all really fair-skinned black people, right? So even when um, we're talking about one form of representation, there still might be a lack of diversity um, in that casting. Um, but I think the same issues definitely apply. So the success of Wonder Woman, the success of Shondaland, the success of people like Ava DuVernay um, prove that women do in fact um, have as much appeal as characters and as writers and as filmmakers as um, men do. Right. And that women are just as capable of telling stories and just as capable of um, being a part of the entire process of telling stories in, in these different mediums and, and doing really well at it, like having a lot of success at it. And um, and I think because certain voices have been um, absent for so long, it's also refreshing. Right. So these movements are building momentum. Right. To use your word again, they're using momentum precisely because they are new voices, they are new perspectives. Um, and I think that freshness, right, um, is good for us as a culture and as a people. Um, so yeah, I've kind of been rambling, but. <laughs> uh, no, you haven't been rambling. You've been following a really good thought and you followed all the okay. way through. And I think it's important because I then, you know, feel that it leads naturally then into also Okay, so now we're talking about gender, but yes, we need to talk about the equality that's existing within each gender as well, correct? Mm -hmm. And the, the right. equality of diversity and of representation. And mm -hmm. I, it made me think that, yes, now if we're looking at Wonder Woman, we, you, know, you have to ask, okay, well, how many 
female black characters were in that movie mm-hmm. that had a strong presence. Okay. And you know, everybody can do their own tallying. But then, then <laughs> they going from there, moving into, okay, so let's talk about the next thing that, that is either A, missing, or is an opportunity that we should be looking to uh, support, encourage, embrace, or recognize. And I think the, the opportunity then is to look at someone like uh, Lupita Nyong'o, mm-hmm. um, who has yeah. shown now that... Um, when it comes to uh, representation, now you've got a character actor who is showing mm-hmm. you a range of diversity through character that hasn't right. been seen. To say, you look at some of the other members in Black Panther. Angela Bassett's known for her strength. She's played a lot of very mm-hmm. strong characters. Same with Viola Davis, who's played a lot of strong. Although I, I you know, I, I know she's shown some vulnerabilities in some of her performances as well. The range. I feel that we're starting to see or that we've seen so far with Lou, someone like Lupita Nyong'o that that mm-hmm. um, that character range can now show uh, someone embracing these different identities uh, yeah. very powerfully on on screen. You know, whether you're going from 12 years as a slave or whether you're talking about the comic book versions of her performances mm-hmm. and that that now is I'm wondering if if maybe I'm on a train where that could be building momentum for our first strong um, black female lead character in a major film performance. Like, is that one of the routes it's going to take? I'm not sure if she's going to be the person to do it, you know, just like Mm -hmm. it's, it was really probably, you know, hard to predict that Chadwick Boseman would be the guy to, to be the the black Panther, (laughs) you know, you know, who's going to actually have that opportunity to step into those shoes, but that until that's happening, are there ways of looking at someone like Lupita Nyong'o or other uh, black female character actors who have, right. you know, gone ahead and well, they're not leads, but they are making these other advancements, maybe on a more lateral level of like, well, let me show you uh, how, let me show you different identities of a woman and mm-hmm. let me be that one who show you more than just one representation um, that you might have already just gone. Well, I know that black women are this way and I've seen them in film because of what I've seen from Angela Bassett or Viola Davis. And yet, Mm -hmm. you know, now you're seeing a greater range, um, whether it's the tech savvy girl who's picking on her brother, the King, or, you know, (laughs) whether it's in a much more challenging role um, as we've seen her do as well. So uh, I just wanted to maybe uh, bring her into part of that discussion because until we've seen that black female lead is the range that we're currently seeing, seeing a positive note that can be uh, pointed at as progress towards that strong female lead. Or is it just the example of like, well, until that's happening, this is what, um, this is what people are trying to do in the meantime or actually trying to do in the meantime. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I think you bring up a good point uh, that you know I, I hadn't originally thought about, but that makes a lot of sense. Is that in thinking about um, actresses themselves, um, not just um, diversity on the side of the filmmaker, but actresses being allowed to play diverse types of characters, so not pigeonholing them, right? So Lupita Nyong'o always getting cast in the same kind of role in every single movie. She's always that kind of character, right? Yeah. So allowing um, these. Uh, these women and these, you know, people of color to, to take on diverse roles. Um, and I think um, in terms of, I think the genre is so important too, or the medium is so important. So having um, TV shows with black women as the lead. Um, so we've seen a lot more progress in that area because of Shonda Rhimes. Right. right. But in, in, in films, we, when we see, black women in leading roles they usually play the same kind of character for example i think about the movies girls trip right Right. um where are like boomerang right you even talked about that um before um so like we see black women in these quote-unquote um black comedies or um you know black dramas right um but to to be in a film like black panther or um a superhero movie right, where um, it's where people sometimes have a hard time imagining, like, a woman, much less a Black woman, 
um, like saving the world. Um, although people would say that, you know, black women have often <laughs> saved the world <laughs> in actual life. Yes. Um, you know, I think that that is still, um, I think, a, a milestone that we have yet to reach. Um, so I, I would like to see um, black women take leads in films that uh, are not um, classified as, you know, black um, comedy or black drama films. That makes sense, right? So like you talked about Tyler Perry, like Tyler Perry obviously has a lot of leading women characters, but it's a certain type of movie, right? It's the, it's that type of movie that black women are allowed to have lead roles in versus a movie like, um, a superhero movie, right? Or something like that. Yeah. I was actually thinking about that while you were uh, talking just a few moments ago and it it was Mm -hmm. making me think that, yeah, well, um, there is a challenge in, in who's being represented if it's girls trip, you know, who's being portrayed. Mm -hmm. Because then if you look at some of the recent Tyler Perry successes or his movies coming out right now, uh, Mm -hmm. one, it appears to be like the scorned lover. Um, Yeah. And I know that's been done at least, I feel like he did one other movie that was like that, that was a Mm -hmm. similar scorned lover um, character. And Mm -hmm. I feel like there were a few of his other movies, which, I'm not able to just recall at the moment, but that, right. yes, you, you recognized um, what kind of character was being portrayed by that woman because you've already seen mm-hmm. it before. And it's mm-hmm. not, you know, unique or extremely well-rounded, but it is very familiar. Right. Um, and maybe mm-hmm. that's part of where that success might lie. And that's also part of that limitation is because that's where success mm-hmm. is deemed possible, not anything beyond that. <laughs> Yeah, I think that that is very insightful <laughs> in terms of like the correlation between um, success and the amount of comfort <laughs> that you can instill in people like, oh, I'm comfortable with this image. I'm comfortable with this depiction. And so therefore, I will continue to give my money to see that depiction. Right. Um, and also, but I also think, too, it's like it's not just um, what we're comfortable with, but it's what we're able to imagine. Um, gotcha. And so I think we we might be comfortable with other representations, but we haven't been allowed to really imagine them to know if we would be, you know, if we would be pleased with different types of representation um, because our imagination has been uh, conditioned, right? Within these limitations, within these limited um, depictions, things like that. Mm. Um, And I'm talking about our collective imagination, like our cultural imagination, not, you know, your individual ability to imagine things, but like just culturally speaking, um, it seems like it's hard for us to imagine um, certain identities playing certain parts, if that makes sense. It does. And I think it actually goes back uh, really well to something you had mentioned earlier, which was when you were talking about how even if you're dealing with a completely homogenous group, that there's still going to be a differentiation based on gender. And there is yeah. something you were saying where you were looking for the word and, and I feel like you brought it up just a minute ago, condition. And I feel like that yeah. might be like a really good example. There's a conditioning that occurs. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. in that example, the conditioning is about women being weaker and not able to be as strong or capable in certain areas as men are. And that that's yes. part of the conditioning. And now that carries over into what we're talking about or just we're talking about, which is the conditioning also of what's possible the conditioning of the imagination. Mm -hmm. So by conditioning the imagination, it's creating those limitations of what is and isn't possible, believable, and worse, imaginable. And if you're conditioning Mm -hmm. imagination, like all those things that you're leaving off, all those possibilities that will never even be part of the consideration because you've limited imagination. And um, that really struck for me (laughs) because as you were talking about it, it was like conditioning, Conditioning imagination, limiting imagination, like just pause for a second and take in the idea of limiting imagination and then ask yourself how many different things we would not have right now if we willingly limited imagination in all these other ways. But when it comes Mm -hmm. to viewing identity and all the parts that go with it, for some reason, that's an acceptable way of limiting imagination or it's been something that we've conditioned as acceptable and it's a conditioning that we've allowed for a very long time so that just sort of that reminds me oh sorry go ahead no 
Oh, that reminds me of um another really strong female lead from a movie that's a lot older, but Alice in Wonderland. Um, and I'm thinking about Frozen too, right? Again, so like these like really strong. And when I say strong, I mean dynamic, right? So I'm not saying like, oh, Wonder Woman is a strong character simply because she can lift, you know, cars and things like that. But she's, I mean, strong as in like well-rounded, right? Portrayed really well. So like strong writing of the character. Sure. Right? So you have a lot of like really dynamic and, you know, engaging and strong women and like they're leaders and they take charge. They, you know, um, hold uh, really significant uh, place in their narrative and in their communities, right? So you have movies like Frozen, but then Alice in Wonderland, I think was a really good character. And her, it reminds me of that line, which you're saying, um, about imagining what's possible where she talks about um, her father teaches her to, um, to imagine one impossible thing every day. Right, right. <laughs> um, and that, and like in the movie, like that is seen as one of the sources of her success, right? One of her, the reasons why she is such a strong young girl and why she is able to go on this adventure and, you know, save the day is because she did not have that limitation placed on her imagination, right, of what's possible. Um, so I think that is a very important um, tool for like writers and people who create these things to, to be able to imagine what's possible. But then also us as consumers of all these media is to say, hey, you know, um, this is something new. Like, let me let me try that. Right. Like I'm willing to imagine something different, even as a consumer or a creator. Um, we kind of have to recondition or uncondition <laughs> <laughs> well, and those I limitations. I think you really hit something too, because what I'm thinking about, you know, what you were saying about how Wonder Woman's strength alone wasn't the part that made her an engaging character. Um, what right. really sort of made the character feel human to me mm-hmm. was uh, her first introduction to the quote unquote civilized world that she'd been brought to. And after mm-hmm. they put her in clothes and she walks around and sees the way people are treating each other, <laughs> she starts getting yeah. upset and almost like on the verge of tears, like, what is wrong with you? How can you be, how is this okay? At what point did yeah. you choose this to be acceptable? At mm-hmm. what point did you accept mm-hmm. this? And that yes. was probably the one point where I like, you yeah. know, my little artist soul was just like, oh. and even now when I think about <laughs> it, my, my, my eyes get a little teary because yeah. that's that part yeah. that you have to be willing to take on when you're pursuing your art, when yes. you're writing, when you're, when you're challenging what's accepted that you're saying, wait, mm-hmm. this is wrong. And mm-hmm. I'm going to go to what I feel is a very core value, whatever yeah. that that root stone, heart stone, touchstone might be, and say, this yeah. is wrong. And from this place, you know, I have that sense of rightness or assurance that this is wrong. Yeah. And it was that. And weakness. I think that, that yeah, I, th- I love I love that uh, moment as well, because it goes back to, you know, sort of the core of this conversation is like, why is diversity important? Right. So the reason why Wonder Woman is able to see the flaws in the Earth's and Earth's Earth culture, right. right, the culture of Earth, the culture of, you know, humankind is because she's different. Like she comes from a different place. She has a different background. Um and so like having that different perspective, right? Having interjecting that different um, identity and that different, I guess, uh, cosmic view, right? So we can't really say world, but cosmic view um, because she's from a different planet uh, allows us to see like how, um, like what we might be missing out on, right? Because we're so caught up in like the way things have always been in our cultures and, you know, things like that. So I think that's another value to like this whole conversation about diversity and why it's important um, is that it helps us to continue to open and evolve. I, yes, I completely agree. Um, In fact, it it was that what really struck while you were talking was the idea of the reason she could do it was because no one had limited her imagination. No one had mm-hmm. conditioned it to yes. accept what was going on. And she was representing exactly. that difference, that lack of conditioning and showing what yes, that looks exactly. like. However, I, I am going to just say for any of the comic book nerds who might be um, listening right now, they will freak out if you say that Wonder Woman's from another planet. Uh, apparently oh, the okay. island was like just closed off. Like there was like an invisible, uh, 
curtain ah, and all you had to it. do was walk through it and and suddenly you're there. No, this is true. Because yes, they might go, you're right. wait a minute, you just called Wonder Woman an you're alien. You're right. No. This whole conversation <laughs> went off the rails. All credibility out the window. No, uh... <laughs> that I, I was thinking about Superman. Am I right? right. Superman is from, Superman's from okay. the other But that was just a funny moment where I went, wow, we didn't interject some levity in there. Because uh, <laughs> somewhere there's some guy like, nope, no, what? Oh boy, <laughs> comics, and he's getting out issues left and right that are arguing his point and how he's about. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, the idea of creating uh, limitations on imagination, and then by removing them, and also, as you said, consumers who are willing to recognize that and say, you know what, mm-hmm. I'm not going to go with what I've been conditioned to say is good and right, and what I like but to consider what somebody's imagination can show me and Mm -hmm. what I can see if I don't limit my imagination by limiting theirs, by being willing to, you know, see what they're going to show. I'm not limiting either of us. And by doing that, now I'm creating opportunity. So I think that's a huge point to keep in mind as well. We, we play a role. We can talk all we want about the things we want to see. But if we don't support mm-hmm. them in the ways they need to be supported, well, <laughs> you know what I mean? It's, uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a great thing to talk about yeah. because it'll never happen. And then you can always just talk about it. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you know, and people, yeah. people do love talking about stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just going to move into two remaining questions. Um, and I feel like they, they, they tie in, but they also have their, their, their own um, tangents that can be explored and hopefully will continue (laughs) to be explored. The first of which uh, there was an issue brought up about the idea and this kind of goes into, I'm going to show you how it ties into the, uh, the gaming and technology side, but I I think it's something that you're going to see where I'm going as I build the question here. Um, Mm -hmm. At the Black Scene Gaming panel, there was a mention of a uh, video game console called Xbox and Xbox had a system called Connect. And I'm okay. not sure if you're familiar with it, but the Connect was supposed to be a way yeah. to interact with your gaming device. And okay. it could, like, uh, you stood in front of this laser thing and it could digitally read your image and then huh. okay. put you into the game environment. So, like, huh. take a 3D capture of you and try and create a yeah. character based on you. Except the problem hmm. was they found that not long after it was released, it didn't recognize everyone. <laughs> If there was too much shadow in the image, the image couldn't Mm -hmm. be properly registered. Did you hear about this story at all? It was like 2010 or so. Not that specific story, but just in my study of digital things, I have heard of similar um, issues with like facial recognition software and things like that. Understood. So then there was this discussion of, okay, well, why is this occurring? And, of course, the panel Hmm. pointed to the idea, well, the first problem is having a diverse staff. And then one of the guys said, look, I was there for Microsoft. Uh They tested the system on me, to which he then turns Uh and looks at the the audience and says, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm not that dark. (laughs) Like, I'm dark, but I'm not that dark. And I'm the only model they have for testing. And he felt Uh that that really raised an issue because, of course – if someone doesn't look like me and they use this, they're going to have problems. Yeah. So then it became, okay, what do we need to keep in, what should be kept in mind when Mm. technologies have the potential to import bias and that a lack of diversity can actually slant data for emerging tech and build Mm -hmm. bias into your hardware. Yeah, well, I think you said so much just by asking the question. <laughs> well, uh, I'm repeating the question. I think some really wise people brought this up. And again, these were folks who had been in the industry for like 10 or 15 years, and they were yes. posing and answering these questions because they felt they had some insight that could provide. And I think they really did. But I also think that um, what you were just talking about, your experiences in other tech and through your research that you can go ahead mm-hmm. and say, okay, well, yeah, let me let me talk about that because I'm not in the gaming world, but I still see it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I, I do. So in a, like part of my study with, um, I guess, colorism because it started off as a blog. Like I just really got into 
the digital world and like the internet world and things like that. Um, and there's this thing in, um, called digital humanities. So it's sort of um, in academia, like you know, a lot of universities open up like digital scholarship labs and, you know, people are just really like studying and investigating technology and digital um, tools from a humanist, a humanistic framework, right? So not just like in engineering classes, but like in philosophy classes, in sociology classes, in anthropology classes, in English classes, people are looking at um, technology and like how we have, how it has impacted our world, so to speak. Um, so it's no longer just tech people studying tech. And I think that's when you have, um, when we can start to ask these questions like, okay, does this technology that's supposed to recognize people's faces, does it recognize all people's faces? Um, and, you know, in the early days of like the internet and technology and like avatars and, you know, chat rooms and anonymity, anonymity <laughs> um, a, lot, a lot of uh, people talked about how neutral and unbiased and objective technology was, right? right? Like, oh, I can be anybody. It's so unbiased, you know? Um, but I think... In, like failures like the Xbox Connect, um, failures like, um, I don't remember, I, I think it was um, a camera phone that was supposed to tag people and it was tagging like African-Americans as like monkeys and apes, right? Um, I do remember something. Oh, crap. I do remember yeah. something about that. Yeah. Wow. And <laughs> Or like uh, facial recognition software, kind of similar to Xbox, like not being able to like identify your face in the landscape as a face, right? Right, As a human face. Um, so I think those kinds of tech failures show that um, the technology is only as unbiased as the people who created it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> the technology is only as uh, ob objective as the people who created it, which is to say it's not objective at all. <laughs> Agreed. Um, and I think because all people have biases, a lot of our biases are implicit. I think teams, diverse teams are important because it's easier for me to, to build and to mitigate for bias than to like wait until I have no bias. That makes sense, right? It does. So I can't wait until I have no bias before I start creating, you know, some type of, type of technology. But I can mitigate for the biases that I acknowledge I have by incorporating people who have different biases so that hopefully we check each other's biases. <laughs> um, so I'm trying not to go down a rabbit hole by saying the same thing over and over again. Um, you are not. I promise. But... <laughs> I'm listening. And we're, we're okay, doing great. fine. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I, I love that you have that specific example at that, um, that conference or on that panel where there was, um, I'm assuming this was an African-American man or a black man yes. or black. Okay. Um, and he's, he acknowledged the fact that um, there are variations in skin tone among black people. Um, and this is where a lot of my research with colorism comes in because we assume that, oh, um, we can say we've tested this with African-Americans, but if all the African-Americans kind of look European, then you don't have the, the level of diversity that you think you have, right? Um, so if all of the African-Americans you've tested have um, thin lips and, you know, thin noses, right? Like what we typically associate with being whiter features versus African-Americans that have like really full lips, right? Or like really broad noses, right? Then that is going to, like you said, bias um, the, the training that you do on the technology um, and the testing that you do on the technology. Um, and so I think the, the gentleman who pointed that out um, cause I'm sure Microsoft will say, no, but we did include African-Americans in our testing. <laughs> and it's like, <laughs> but African-Americans, if you like, not everybody realizes this, um, we see it, but we don't consciously process it. Right. So African-Americans look very, very different. Like they have so many different appearances as people. And so when we're looking at facial recognition software. Um, it's not enough to say, oh, well, we tested, you know, an African-American, right. Because, then okay uh are they you know taller or shorter what their features look like what's their hair texture and that sort of thing <laughs> um and then people even talk about like emojis right so it's a relatively new thing that you can pick skin tone variations in your emojis you still can't like pick hair texture variations so i haven't seen like an afro emoji or anything like that um you know for a woman right a female emoji but that also has an afro right um so even that like emojis were thought to be neutral 
because they kind of had this yellowish tint to them. Um, but what people soon realize is that, no, that defaults to, to whiteness, right? Like, so the, the default emoji, emoji is always assumed to be white, you know? Um, so there are all these different aspects of our online environments and our tech environments that um, people creating them just take for granted, you know, because uh, they, I guess, so I can't say this for sure, but I think they might be assuming that they are unbiased in their production of these things. And I think it's going to take some training, maybe some understanding on their part that they do have bias and that whatever bias they have is going to be trained and, you know, into the technology that they make. And so what can they do to mitigate for that? What can they do to check their biases by bringing in, you know, teams that are diverse that can um, add, uh, to the to the narrative for them yeah i think it actually you know also points out that it takes more than not wanting bias to avoid bias that that saying oh well we didn't go into this and that our our whole goal was to not have bias yes that that can be a good thing to want but that doesn't mean Mm -hmm. that that alone guarantees that you won't have bias like it, it, it the want alone isn't enough you also have to actually put in some work there's some things you have to do and look at in order to make sure that that's actually true, that what you're wanting to do is what you're actually doing. Yeah. And I think we have to, to not demonize bias. Because I think one of the reasons why it's hard for people to admit they have bias um, is because we demonize it. Like, oh, you're biased, so you are a racist, or you are a sexist because you have an implicit bias. And I think, you know, acknowledging that all people of all races, all genders, all nationalities, ethnicities, all have some type of implicit bias, right? And so it's not, you're not a bad person if you have a bias, an unconscious bias, right? Like if you're consciously saying, oh, I hate those people, then yeah, you know, we need to fix that. But I just, I mean, like the implicit bias where, you know, it's like the split second assumption or like things that you might be oblivious to. Um, Like, that's what I mean when I say bias, like implicitly. Um, And so I think once we take down some of the fear of acknowledging that we have biases, our blind spots is another way to think about it, then we can actually take action to work on it. Because as long as we're trying to deny it, we can't actually change it. You know, we can't change what we deny, things that we don't acknowledge exist. Um, So as long as people are not afraid to say, you know what, I have some blind spots when it comes to this. Um, so let me bring in people who have a different perspective than me, you know, and I think that's what's, what it's going to take to move forward. Yes, I completely agree. And actually, you really moved into answering the next question, which I was going to follow up with was one of the suggestions which was made was uh, thinking about where recruitment was occurring. And if there's a natural mm-hmm. bias that, well, Ivy League schools contain the best of the best. <laughs> therefore, yeah. if you want to get the best <laughs> tech guys, the most coders. If you want the next Zuckerberg or the guys he hired, he got them all from Yale, Harvard, and Stanford, right? Well, that's where you got to go. And if that's where you're going, the thing that they immediately brought up was keep in mind by recruiting from there, you can unintentionally be importing the bias that they have experienced. Because if the majority of who they're working with in coding and tech programs at Ivy League schools are people that look like them, mm-hmm. then that's what their concept of diversity will be. Or right. that if it's only scattered with people that don't look like them, then whatever those stereotypes are will be their recognition of diversity right. and scope. And, mm-hmm. uh, and I think you really just sort of addressed that early uh, before I had a chance to ask that question by talking about <laughs> recognizing what bias is and that it's not yeah. pointing out that bias is wrong and that because you have it, you're, you're automatically bad, but that right. recognizing what your biases are, mm-hmm. what mm-hmm. they do in regards to how you think and act and also yeah. how you need to consider them when you're thinking and acting for yeah. others. Like that's yeah. where you actually, you know, it, it reminds me of something that I'm a, I'm a big just dork when it comes to the science stuff where they talk about, you know, what we discover, what we understand. And Morgan Freeman touched on this concept uh, uh, on one of his shows that he was doing, I think it was through the wormhole where they were talking about this mm-hmm. concept among animals of having what's called like the God's eye view and this mm-hmm. ability to put yourself in another person's shoes. 
and that yeah. it takes a level of critical thinking in order for that to occur. Yeah. But that it's one of the first things that science found separate people from animals, the ability to put yourself in someone else's shoes. And it's like, okay, mm-hmm. well, if that's the thing that we've already started with as human beings, as one of our like differentiations between lower animals is that critical thinking and awareness to put ourselves in someone else's shoes. Well, then we already have that ability right from the get go. We mm-hmm. actually know how to do it. If we avoid the conditioning, if we recognize our biases and then remove those to put ourselves in someone else's shoes, mm-hmm. that's where we can actually like do the thing that we're kind of designed to be good at, you know, where we, we have this yeah. critical thinking capacity and if we use it, that's its capability. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought you did a great job of just rolling into that question. I was like, okay, well, skip that question. <laughs> so here's the fun part. The last question. Um, yeah. And this is where I, I really enjoy because when I was asking Fen and when I asked the other writers on the gaming team, it's <laughs> going to be about video games. But, uh, for you, uh, I'm curious because I've, and Sarah brought up that we both attended, uh, school together in a writing program and i've read some Mm -hmm. of her short stories her poetry she's amazing Uh, you should Mm -hmm. also get a chance to see some of her playwright uh (laughs) it's it's stunning and um so i'm curious to see how you oh my pleasure so it's 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 (laughs) gonna be curious for me to see how you answer this because i know uh how many different ways that you work with characters and also how (laughs) so the question that was asked at the end of the panel was what would be your ideal diverse character and the panel, of course, was like, oh, man, are you kidding me? Like, why do you guys, why you guys got to make this so hard? Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> and uh, they just said, okay, well, just give us your best shot. And mm-hmm. in whatever form you want to look at it, whether it's looking at the current, you know, media, whether it's looking at television or film, or whether it's looking in your own writing or writing that you enjoy reading, if, you're, mm-hmm. if you could, what would be your idea of an ideal diverse character? Okay, so one character... That for me um, is the essence of diversity. Is that kind of like what you're, where you're going, or or what would be the ideal diverse character you would like to see? Now let's so let's make it a personal mm-hmm. thing. Where okay, I've seen uh, characters maybe that have covered this, that have covered that, but I haven't seen characters that are this. Or if I got wanted it. to see a character that I would like relate to, but would be diverse, you know, I, I guess taking along yeah. those lines. Like, what is it you see that you haven't seen and would love to see, or would like to see more of? Or would see more of plus mm-hmm. this. Okay. Um, so I'm going to answer this in two ways. One uh, is going to be along the lines of like what I originally said, sure. and one is going to be along the lines of, of what I would like to see um, actually in TV. Please do, because um, I think it actually like helps to inform the answer, <laughs> and it kind of summarizes a lot of the things we've already been talking about. So please include. Yeah. That. Okay. So for me. Um, and okay, I would like to see um, a girl, so not a woman, but a girl under the age of 18, um, maybe preteen age, um, who has dark skin. And by dark skin, I mean dark skin by African American standards. So <laughs> not just like a tan, you know, like a nice tan, but like, you know, very dark skin. Um, and natural hair, who um, is intelligent and funny, but also vulnerable, and who um, has uh, a well, like who has who has like a um, like maybe a high school crush, right? So like a a romantic interest, but not romantic because it's, they are under 18, right? right. Um, because I think growing up, I was that girl and I never saw that on television. So just like in terms of my personal, very personal story, um, I think my ideal diverse character would be someone that I could have related to as a girl. Um, and I, I talk about this a lot. Like now as an adult, we see people like Viola Davis. We see people like Lupita Nyong'o and Issa Rae. Um, but... Uh, there are not a lot of girl characters who are dark-skinned black women with short hair or, you know, natural kinky curly hair. Um, when we look at like 
TV shows and movies that are made for children and for like youth, um, there's, I think, way less diversity than in the movies and films and TV shows with adult characters that are that have primarily adults or like um, young adult audiences, right? Mm-hmm. And so for me, um, I, I, I still think there's a lot of work to be done in terms of programming for children um, and especially young black girls um, who watch cartoons on the weekends, you know, who watch, you know, educational TV programming, who watch, you know, animated movies and films um, who just don't have the, the same opportunities to see themselves reflected in the media as um, other people do. Um, I think moving beyond just my um, myself and what I would have liked to see, I, I think a good um, kind of character that I would like to see as an exploration of what diversity could mean um, is uh, a shapeshifter whose original identity is has been forgotten. <laughs> mm. um, like so, n- they f- have forgotten what their I- original identity was, and like the there's no record of it. I um, mean, I'm thinking about Octavia Butler's um, which, Wild Seed, where um, one of the main characters is a shapeshifter and inhabited bodies of all types right so he was he was kind of like an evil character right mm-hmm. so it doesn't i don't it's not it's not important whether it's the villain in the story or the protagonist in the story you know or you know a main character or not but um that concept that you were talking about about being able to um empathize with people right. to to take on the perspective of someone else i think it would be interesting like in, in terms of like storytelling and you know especially for like fantasy sci-fi fans to have the shapeshifter mm-hmm. who has who has this this firsthand understanding um of what of what differentiates us but also what connects us right so in all these different identities i've inhabited as a shapeshifter this is what i have learned along the way i think that would be like a really interesting ex- like storytelling experiment um and i also think it would be have to be a collaborative project um i don't think any one writer could really successfully um, portray that, you know, level of nuance on their own. But I think I would love to see like a team of writers um, come together to like create this like shape-shifting character who sort of teaches us all, you know, like what it, what it really means to, to take on the perspective of other people and to understand them. Um, yeah. <laughs> Great job, sir. Really, really. Uh, in fact, uh, just to, you, you brought up something that made me think when you were saying shapeshifter, I've actually seen, uh, you know, it's, it's a popular character in sci-fi to mm-hmm. have a shapeshifter character. Yes. And it does remind mm-hmm. me that comics at one point and recently in television has tried to look at that possibility, but they just really mm-hmm. haven't explored it. And I'd be curious to, we could follow up at some point. I'd be curious to hear your, your thoughts as well. Um, the yeah. CW has a show, uh, Supergirl. Um, uh-huh. And I've, I'm, I've gotten past my embarrassment at watching it because after the first <laughs> couple that, you know, I would watch because I've got nieces that I would want to watch it for and like try and talk to because they're young and give them inspiration, strong women. But there had mm-hmm. also been a development where they brought in an old character that I love from the comics who's supposed to be the mm-hmm. last surviving Martian. And that when he comes to Earth, the first person he meets, um, the, the storyline that they created for part of his origin at one point was he comes across... Um, a black man and it's like the first person mm-hmm. he meets when he comes to earth and then when that person dies he takes on their identity not aware mm-hmm. of what he's doing and then also experiencing right. life afterwards now they've changed it originally when he was first created he was uh he was a white character and then later it was a black character and now in the tv show they've done that same thing where they've made him a black character as well and mm-hmm. they recently touched on it in an episode where he's talking with his father, who, for some reason they haven't explained, is also a Martian and is also a black character. And, uh, and they, <laughs> you know, it's like, okay, you could be exploring here, but you're not. But they lightly touched on the idea of why he chose the identity he did. And he said, well, at mm-hmm. first I didn't realize it was more of a force. It was like I was in a situation, I needed an identity, I chose what was available. But after I right. accepted it, I, I realized that I had embraced it and I didn't want to change it. And it seemed mm-hmm. like, wow, there were so many things you could have gone into right there. And you just you just brushed right over them. 
and yet the yeah. opportunity existed. Yeah. And I have to wonder if maybe there wasn't some concern, like maybe they didn't feel like they had the team that could address it. Because then as you were talking mm-hmm. more and said, well, I think it would take more than just one person. I think it would take a team. I think it would take this effort that was really questioning and challenging that I thought, okay, part of me would be tempted to like take a swipe at that show for not digging in. <laughs> but then listening uh-huh. to your answer really made me also consider like, okay, maybe that's, that's a dangerous assumption on my part that, that, mm-hmm. okay, mm-hmm. maybe there was a recognition of this is something we should bring up you know, because we know it's important, but that we also recognize we're not ready to dive into yet, either individually or right. as a team. And mm-hmm. I think that I think that's something important to keep in mind because it'll always be that question, I think, for me when I'm looking at those opportunities and, and wonder if they've been embraced or uh, explored is was your reasoning for that? You know, was it out of respect until you knew more mm-hmm. and could develop more? Or was that the the safe reason to back away right and I think that's always going to be sort of a challenge as well is okay well yeah you know are you going to come across those creating characters who will say oh yeah but we're just not we just don't have those elements so we're just going to do the best with what we were able to get together it's like okay well Mm -hmm. that sounds like a cop-out um you know it doesn't sound like you're willing to go as far um and And it's all you also get that kind of result when it's when it's merely an afterthought yes so if, if diversity or inclusion or equity, if those things are just like afterthoughts, then yeah, you're, you're going to get to that point and realize, oh, well, we don't have the resources, so we're just going to do what we can with what we have. Um, but if, if that is a value, like a core value um, of the project from the beginning, like you're going to build in that team from the beginning, right? So then when, you, when it's time to ask those questions, like you don't have this crisis of like, oh my gosh, who do I talk to? Like, where do we go to find this stuff out, right? Because that was something you valued at the inception of the project. Um, And I think that uh, is the more um, courageous uh, and more more likely to push us forward, right? Because as long as it's just an afterthought, oh, because you realize that now we live in an era where people are expecting us to do these kind of things. So we're just going to kind of try to add some of that on top, you know, after the fact versus the, the teams and the people and the creators who, who start from the ground up thinking about diversity at every level, you know? Yeah, actually. And I think we might've stumbled onto a really core idea that I'm going to, you know, I'm going to come back to, but um, mm-hmm. you, you really address something that I think answers the, the question of, okay, if, if we're talking about what's your ideal um, diverse character, perhaps the answer to begin with is one who at the very intention, at the very inception mm-hmm. is an investment made in the creation of yes. that character for it to be yes. diverse. And that if yeah. that's the intention from the beginning, if you're willing to make that early investment, that that's, that's your cornerstone, that's a core value, which I think is something you, mm-hmm. you really uh, pinpointed there, then that's how you can create an ideal diverse character because you're going to make that investment mm-hmm. early and that that value will be the, the cornerstone. And right. if you're using that, well, then how can you yeah. go wrong? You know what I mean? You're always coming yeah. back to that place. So you'll be working from that, I guess, honesty. And by, by going mm-hmm. from that, that honest place, you know, you, you, you can't, you can't be swayed by assumptions or other, you know, distractions that honesty will be right. the, the, the core. And in, in, in an industry, I understand that the industry is what it is like, but uh, so like you have to make money, you have to like do these things, but in, if, so this is just like an ideal version, right. That people might hold up as like a litmus test, but the, the, creator or the manager or the producer who says you know what we're not even going to start brainstorming for this story until we have the right people at the table you know because then you get two seasons in right and you're like oh all of a sudden we want to have an episode where we talk about you know um police killing an unarmed black person like now we have to like go and find the people who can talk about that issue right um but i think if if we can work towards a society in which people creating these projects say, you know, we're not even going to start the project. We're not even going to start brainstorming ideas for it until we have that diversity at the table from the beginning. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll stop. No, 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 no stopping. In fact, I'm going to continue it by <laughs> saying, you know what? 
just based on that alone, uh, I think you brought up something that ties back to the Black Lightning thing that that mm-hmm. shows that that they took risks in the show that they had invested in early so that it made sense for yeah. them to, to take those risks later and to take those challenges on. Um, and mm-hmm. that might be a really great one if you're up for it, where we can have a great discussion about ways in which that occurs uh, through Black Lightning. Just take a look at the season, go back through it and and talk about that. But I feel like oh, yeah. that's maybe an example where we can look at that because uh, mm-hmm. they they continue to take risks throughout the season, whether it was having him arrested yes, and that that scene where they've got to do the drug yeah. search and stuff like that, where I was like, yeah, oh, my God, you see yeah. this in some prison movies sometimes. And even they are like cautious about going this way. Like there was some yep. real risks that were taken and uh, yes. <laughs> also some concepts raised. I mean, I hadn't heard someone make the comment about a phrase like, uh, I think it was like maybe the third or fourth episode, the the crabs in a barrel. Do you remember that one? Mm-hmm. With the Yeah. Mm-hmm. And these are some topics yeah. I'd really like to come back to because I felt like yeah. they were willing to talk about things. And in order to pull them off, you had to look back at where they made the investments in the first episode or two of like, yep. okay, this is what's going to happen. And these things are going to come yep. up. They set the tone. They set the there tone you go. really out the gate. Yeah. Out of the gate. Like, they set and, the tone. and they, they made a, a concerted effort. These are going to come up and yeah. we're going to talk about them and, and we're going to keep talking about them. Um, mm-hmm. Sarah, I just want to just say thank you. Um, I had no idea we would get to talk this long. And I, I, I'm so <laughs> thankful that we did. I, I had goals, hopes and aspirations for our conversation, but we've, uh, matched exceeded succeeded them immensely and (laughs) what i really enjoyed the most was that talking about these ideas with you uh hearing your answers and exploring them with you brought about more questions and i think more Mm -hmm. answers i mean some of the things that we've gone over today i'm going to be listening to later and i'm going to be coming Mm -hmm. back to when we meet up again and i'm going to be bugging Mm -hmm. you about wanting to have other conversations about these things because (laughs) um you really brought just some wonderful insights, some wonderful uh, viewpoints. And uh, really, I just want to say thank you for all yeah. of your answers today, for all of your... Uh... Thank, thank you. And if I may acknowledge you in this moment as well, oh. um, I, I am really, really proud of the work that you're doing. You know, I, I can say, oh, I knew you win. Um, <laughs> but yeah, having known you for over all these years, you know, it's, it's interesting because we've see each other on social media but um today i realized that we hadn't actually like spoken to each other in a really long time it's been a long time um, yeah yeah but i i i've always um recognized like your spirit and your gifts uh with people and your compassion for people i think in this podcast um you being able to address these is- these very difficult issues in such a um like open honest and compassionate way i think is a tremendous uh accomplishment uh, for, you know, per any person, you know, but especially as like a white man, you know? Um, so I definitely want to acknowledge you for that. Uh, and I think you're a good role model for like other people in our society and culture. Ah, uh, geez. Okay. So I'm, a, I'm all teary eyed <laughs> now. Cause Sarah just made me feel like really, uh, thank you. Uh, you're, you're, mm-hmm. you're the sweetest thing. Um, folks, I'm just going to give one more, one more plug. I'm just going to say it again. Sarah Webb, colorismhealing.org. Um, you can find her on Instagram. You can go to her website. You're going to want to look at her writing prompts. You're going to want to read the answers. Uh, and you're going to want to learn about the contest and the contest winners and the work she's doing. Mm-hmm. And more importantly, if you're listening, this is the person that you want to work with and for you when she's done with her graduate program. So please take, <laughs> take advantage of this rare blessing that is Sarah Webb. You will not be disappointed. She will enrich your life as she has with mine. Uh, really appreciate you taking the time with me today, Sarah. Um, it's been extremely, extremely wonderful experience. All right. (laughs) I'm going to let this wrap up and, uh, I'll have it posted as soon as it's done. And uh, I'm looking forward to a conversation. I think it's going to be even more fun. Sounds good. Okay. Yeah. Take care now, Sarah. (laughs) Bye. Thank you again for listening to Storytelling with Seth. Whether you're listening on Anchor, Radio Public, Breaker, iOS, Google Play, or one of the many other platforms available, 
I appreciate you taking the time to listen. And if you're one of those generous supporters, thank you. If you didn't know, you can support my podcast while you're listening to this recording. Feel free to take a look for the link that says to support me. Should be a really simple little button. And if you're having any trouble, don't hesitate to reach out and let me know. And I'll make sure that I'll do my best to help. But your listening, your continued support is what makes these podcasts possible. And I couldn't do it without you. So thank you again, not only for listening, but for your generous support and for all the different platforms that you listen to Storytelling with Seth. I look forward to sharing my next story with you soon.